Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Okay, so July is usually referred to as a slow month. However, there has been a lot of news this month. So we're going to be focusing on three top things this month, which will be the silent house crash. We're also going to be looking at, you know, the biter letters dead and the thoughts around that. And then the third and final thing is Michael Gove's most recent speech and what it actually says and what the undercurrent is underneath all of that. So what should we jump in first? Should we jump in first with Halifax? Halifax yeah, okay, let's go let's for go. it. I'm excited about this. <laughs> um, average house prices have fell by 0.1%. Hmm. <sighs> With Southern England seeing the most downward pressure on property prices, well, I believe that that creates opportunity because quite often what we will hear is I can't do buy to let or buy refurb refinance in the South. When actually this is creating prime opportunity because if property prices are dropping, it creates opportunities. But let's look at what the headlines actually say. The annual drop of 2.6%, which equates to £7,500, is the largest year-on-year decrease since 2011. But... Let's bear that in mind with that. Coupled with the base rate rising by another, you know, million pounds every time, um, contributed to a big jump in typical mortgage rates over the last month. The resultant squeeze on affordability will inevitably act as a break on demand. Um, let's not forget that last year we had the temporary stamp duty cut, yep. which forced lots of people to go out to the market and get their deals done before the stamp duty cut ends. Yep. And therefore, we created a little mini bubble. <laughs> so therefore, existing properties, which were instrumental in driving prices up during the pandemic, related housing rush, were down by 3.5% year on year, the steepest decline since August 2009. But they're not realistic figures because what we're doing is we're comparing apples and pears we're yeah. looking at this year's figures versus last year but last year was completely overinflated because of the stamp duty yeah. cuts so the stamp duty reduction because of the inflated purchase prices and the bubble that was created so in real terms lots of people had a change of lifestyle when they got locked in their houses for a couple of years with uh, the c word <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to move the government cut taxes and now less people are buying this year. It's not surprising, is it? It's literally not rocket science. Average house prices are now falling on an annual basis in most parts of the UK versus the last two to three years is what they're saying. So if we've, we're looking at the last two to three years... We've got some exceptions, actually. Yeah, huge exceptions. <laughs> some areas they're going up. West Midlands. Yep. Yorkshire. Yeah. Humberside. Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. London recorded an annual decline of 2.6%, but the average property price was still in excess of half a million pounds. It's weakest performance since 2009, but that equates to a drop of around £15,000 over the last year. £15,000 in London is not a huge amount of money. So I think, well, how would we summarise it? Um... Basically saying that property prices are decreasing, talking about, you know, the silent... I do believe that we are facing... Yeah. The, what is called the silent housing crash but I think it's in relative terms because we are crashing or we're seeing a crash versus overinflated prices due to stamp duty due to Covid so I don't think we can panic over 0.1% 
So if we're talking about a crash, yes, we're going into some definite movement in the yeah. market, but I don't think we can panic when we're looking at 0.1% being the headline. No, and if we that was Halifax, let's look on to Forbes, because we spent a lot of time on Forbes last time. <laughs> we like we do Forbes. definitely want to save some time for the whole Michael Gove speech, so we're going to go, we do like Forbes. We like that <laughs> Forbes tells you one thing on one page and a different yeah. thing on the next. Seventh consecutive monthly fall in annual price inflation. No. Okay, with well, 7.3%, so it's still not, as we were discussing off camera, still no. not the 2% that we um, are due to see. We've also had the mini bubble mentioned. So they have recognised that the mini bubble caused by COVID, stamp duty, holiday reductions, and now we're looking at less properties. Being, it's everything else yeah. though as well. Yeah. It's capital gains tax being reduced in April is going to be reduced again next April. So therefore, you know, people are starting to sell up, but they've done it before April. So that's going to affect it. Um, <laughs> this is one of my favourite things in all of it, though. I'm moving on. As the market gets to grips with constant negativity in terms of rising interest rates and high inflation, we will see a slow in property transactions. Of course we will. What yeah. goes up must come down, though, but this is what I really love. Something needs to change in order to inject some fuel into the market. As sales volumes are nearly half what they were this time last year in the bubble. So again, we're looking at, you know, bubble and a correction. It's, it's all relative. But this point is my favourite of it all. The property market is the backbone of the UK economy and cannot be allowed to grind to a complete halt. So why then are you continually putting in anti-landlord taxes, Section 24, removal of Section 21? But they do say... It's not time to panic. No, my favourite sentence in this was, <clears throat> as a result, it is time for homeowners and investors to review their affordability and mortgage terms and plan for the future, but not a time to panic. Sorry, that time to do this was 12 months ago, and we can do it now, yeah, we can't but we should have done it 12 months ago. But this is another example of, you know, closing the door after the horse has bolted. Yes. The asking price of property is coming to the market's fallen by an average of 0.2%. In July, 0.2%. In July, which is historically a slow trading month when it comes to property because people are going on holidays and spending yeah. time with their kids. And that's in comparison to overinflated last year. So 0.2% is negligible. But we got an annual price growth at 0.5%. <laughs> so asking prices are down, but the growth is still up. So the asking price, as we always say, is completely irrelevant because it's usually being dictated by over-enthusiastic estate agents or Dave or Sue down the pub who tell you what to put your property on the market for. Right move, right move research shows that sellers who are over-ambitious with their pricing. I'm sorry, it's not <laughs> the sellers that are over-ambitious, it's the estate agents. And wow. they're looking at it based on two years ago or last year versus this year where there's been a change or a decline. Homes across the UK are taking 55 to 60 days to sell, but this is compared to an average of 32 days this time last year. 32 days this time last year because there was a massive bubble that we experienced, but let's look at this one. 62 days in 2019, so if it's taken 55 to 60 days to sell. Pretty standard. It, yeah, which is standard. <laughs> it was so again, just we're comparing. Below average last year. Exactly that. Right, and now we're back to average, but we need to write that down. And, Estate and agents report that many buyers have come become more nervous about their home purchases and are likely to wait until there is greater certainty on mortgage rates. Whose fault is that? <laughs> but they also report that some movies are pausing until there's more certainty and stability as well as reviewing the higher costs that affect their plans. However, there remains a large volume of motivated buyers who can factor rate rises into their budgets. This is for you as investors. You're going to be, it's basic demand and supply. You know, 
demand within the market is dropping because of changes in inflation, because of changes in interest rates. But the supply is actually remaining the same or even increasing because more and more people are selling up because they're facing financial hardship or they are, you know, their mortgages are currently on. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. manageable because they didn't deal with it 12 months ago when we should have all been looking at our mortgage rates and that equates to the average house price being down in june by 300 pounds <laughs> a 0.1 percent fall but if you look at this a typical house costs somewhere in the region of 286,000, which is exactly what it was the month before so although we've had massive fluctuations up and down over the course of the of july it's actually stable in yeah. real terms so again mainstream media spouting a load of rubbish Motivated sellers must price sensibly to generate interest and ensure their expectations with regard to the time frame. So hold on. It's the seller's point of view. It's the seller's fault for overinflating the asking prices. Yep. And now the sellers must be more um, sensible. Well, the majority of these vendors are not educated in the property market. So they're taking their advice from estate agents who are overinflating prices or looking at it based on the bubble prices of the last couple of years. However, this one, 30th June, stable market faces severe challenges as rate rises. That's a contradictory sentence. How can a market be stable but have severe challenges? Well, I'm actually, you know, if we go back to, to June, so this is tail end of June to tail end of July is what we're looking at. Um, four in 10 buyers report having given a 5% or higher discount on their asking price to secure a sale because they're overinflated asking prices. And this is why people are saying, buy to let is dead. Well, actually, it's not. Buy to let is still continuing. We're going to couple this with the whole Michael Gove thing. We're going to go yeah. there. I, I was like going I to say, to, can we, we go to, to Michael before Gove? Before we go there, before we do, let's look at buy to let is dead. Is okay. buy to let dead? Well, actually, they're saying that property is taking 55 to 60 days to sell. Standard. They're still selling. They're saying that there's a movement of 0.1% in property prices. So therefore, buy to let still works. No and they market are... flatlines though, does it? So all markets are like that and 0.1% is nothing. It's in negligible. The <laughs> but if we couple this with, look at me, taking screenshots. Fresh hope mortgage mayhem is ending as HSBC becomes the first mortgage lender to cut rates. Immediately yep. followed by the Financial Times. Three of the UK's largest lenders cut mortgage rates. Yep. So the thing is... Buy to let is not dead because buy to let is the only thing that's providing enough homes for people who require them. So therefore, yes, there have been changes and yes, the mortgage rates have increased, but we're seeing them come back down and it's not going to be a massive decline. But, you know, three of the four top lenders, HSBC, a big name in the market, they're reducing it because buy to let is not dead. 
dealing with it in the right way is something that we need to focus on. And, I think and interest rates have gone up, but rents have gone up as well. Massively. So the margins are still there Absolutely. for the right educated investors. Because a lot of people are, have not increased their, you know, old school investors who've no. kept them rents low have, are the ones who've been affected when mortgage interest rates have increased. But many of us, and we've yeah. had this conversation, fixed our mortgages in in the last two to five years for long term to ensure that we're not facing these problems. So when you've got the right, and we constantly touch on those three, education, network, and mindset. And I think mindset's a good point for us to move on to the long-term plan yep. for housing. Are we ready to talk about Michael Gove? As ready as I'll ever be. Let's do this. <laughs> Should we go through his long-term plan and start with his 10 principles? Okay. Principle number one, the regeneration and renaissance of the hearts of 20 of our most important towns and cities. Who is choosing which 20 are the most important? I hope mine's the most important. No, mine is the most important. <laughs> Supercharging Europe's science capital. What does that even mean? Building beautiful and making architecture great again. Well, I hope I get to pick which ones are beautiful. I know, it's subjective, interesting, mm. isn't it? Building great public services into the heart of every community. Shouldn't we have built the public <laughs> services before we built the houses that need the public services? Too little, too late. Communities taking back control of their future. Interesting. So we were having a little chat before we started this around ownership. We firmly believe, well, I definitely do, and I'm pretty sure you agreed with it, was, you know we've we've broken it but now it's on you to fix it so let's see what we can do communities greener homes greener landscapes and green belt protection mm. a, a new deal for tenants and landlords what deal is this i'm interested <laughs> the renters <laughs> reform one that nobody likes that doesn't help landlords or well, actually it does it helps tenants it doesn't really help landlords but if the landlords leave then there won't be any landlords left and then there won't be any houses um, for the tenants we're already in a housing crisis shortage okay. so you should be supporting and protecting your landlords not chastising them you can tell our thoughts on that one ensuring that every home is safe decent and warm well i've bought many a property from um social housing providers which is not any of those and you're hearing all of these adverts on the radio i mean i don't try not to listen to mainstream media you know but between podcast episodes in the car the, the radio often comes on and all i'm hearing lately are adverts specifically aimed at socially provided housing saying is your house unsafe etc this is obviously all off the back of a huge claim and we'll, we'll touch upon that one liberating leaseholders i mean that should have happened ages ago with all the cladding problems <laughs> yeah again too little too late yeah and extending ownership to a new generation yeah let's wait and see what that our long-term plan for housing comes at a critical moment for the housing market. Critical. 12 months too late. <laughs> oh, critical because there isn't enough houses and there hasn't been for a long time. But Emerald, we have a record of delivery. We've built more homes over our time in office than Labour did under Tony Blair and Gordon Brown. Is that all the homes that have got the cladding issues in the high-rise blocks of flats? Because <laughs> they might have built them, but are they safe? Wow. Okay, there is so much inside of this, like we're not even going to be able to go through all of it, but let's just pick out some of the most salient points. Okay. I'm going to touch upon this one. Inflation has pushed up the price of materials. It's required interest rates to rise. It's squeezed access to credit. And with tight labour markets across the West, construction has everywhere become more difficult. But construction is more necessary than ever. So what are you going to do about it? You're the only ones who have dictated what's happened yeah. in terms of inflation. 
Tackling inflation is critical <laughs> to the implementation of our plan. But who who has got the ability to tackle inflation? Like, take some ownership for what you've done. The steps the Prime Minister and Chancellor have taken to control public spending and borrowing and our broader fiscal and monetary strategy are working. Inflation is coming down. Not fast enough, though, is it? We need to maintain that discipline. What discipline? So we're telling people that they, they shouldn't spend, but then we're encouraging spending. And actually, a lot of the people who are being affected are middle-income earners because they're not entitled to any kind of a benefit. Um, but their mortgages have massively increased or their rents have massively increased. So it's not just a certain group of people. Everyone who's struggling financially, um, you know, cost of living crisis, etc. People who are already low-income earners, middle-income earners. So basically, they're putting the reliance on high-income earners to go out there and spend but also, if they hadn't have allowed inflation to go so high in the first place, then we'd have stopped it before it started. We wouldn't be in this situation where they're now being the saviours and fixing. They're fixing the problem that they created. Absolutely nuts. Let's go to point one, which is the regeneration of 20 places. Okay, okay so identified in the levelling up white paper last year is the Medici model. Okay, so we had a little look at what the Medici model is. Yeah. Contemporary Medici model is a 21st century recipe for a new industrial revolution. Okay, so we're looking at historical, you know, changes to try and fix a current problem. Nice it depends way. on harnessing an array of interventions and catalyzing a range of sectors. What does that even mean? Literally tying you up in <laughs> jargon. Okay, so boost productivity, spread opportunities, restore a sense of community. This, for me, is taking zero ownership. So Michael Gove reveals Renaissance Italy inspiration for levelling up the north. Hold on. So we're going to compare places like Liverpool, Manchester, Doncaster with Renaissance Italy. So the idea being... But that... how does that fix the housing <laughs> issue? It's just using big fancy words, looking at some gorgeous buildings in Italy and going, do we want to look like that? No, we want to fix the housing crisis. Blinding people with science. We are unequivocally, unapologetically and intensively concentrating on our biggest efforts in the heart of our cities because that's the right thing to do economically, environmentally and culturally. So basically what we're going to do is we're working in places where there's already infrastructure in place. However... There's infrastructure in place, but the schools are already oversubscribed. Yeah. There's not enough doctor's surgeries. No. There's not enough shops to support it. And therefore, the point that you then made around parking. Yeah. So when you try and do anything with planning permission in the city centre, most of your city centre people that live there don't have a car because they use the public transport if they can when it's available, like you said about going to London and it being absolutely rammed on the trains. But anyway, your planning application gets declined because you don't have enough parking spaces for what you're trying to build. But apparently we're trying to build within the cities because the infrastructure is already there. But this, this will enable brownfield development rather than greenbelt erosion. Sustainable growth rather than suburban sprawl. Okay, well, there's positives and negatives in regards to this. It's definitely going to help when it comes to commercial conversions. Yeah. But we're still not meeting their agenda, which is to build homes. They've openly admitted we've been inefficient in how we've used the land. Failing to densify our inner cities means lower growth, with a 10% increase in cities' population, potentially unlocking a £20 billion increase in the UK's GDP. But then what they're saying is, failing to densify means longer commutes, a longer wait time for a plumber or an ambulance, more vehicle journeys leading to congestion and pollution 
that's complete and utter crap because it's putting more pressure. They're saying only 40% of people living in great cities can get to the city centre in 30 minutes by public transport. So that means everybody uses the cars, which blocks up the roads where the ambulance has taken even longer to come. So what we're going to do is we're going to build up those areas even more rather than the areas that actually need it because we don't want to bother putting any more infrastructure in place. Do we not need the infrastructure first? Get the public transport up together so that people can use it. Wow. A further one billion will be launched to making Brownfield land fit for development in our cities and towns, including landmark investments in Greater Manchester and West Midlands. And we're talking about, in addition, the new infrastructure levy. Which one? What's that? I don't know. Which we are legislating for in the Leveling Up and Regeneration Bill with will further incentivise that brownfield development. Developers aiming to build on greenfield sites will have to pay more. Great. So they're going to continue to do it because they'll work out their figures, reverse engineering, which means they're going to be selling the houses at higher prices. So again, we're pricing out other people yeah. who can't afford to Pushing buy houses anyway. No, hold on, hold on. By contrast, in urban areas where the infrastructure already exists, and indeed in London, um, densification and growth can ensure existing public services thrive and remain sustainable. Like, have you been on a train to London recently? Have you attempted to drive around I it? don't know anybody that says their doctor's surgery answers the phone and you can get an appointment very quickly. I don't know anybody that says that. All you hear is people complaining, saying you can't get a doctor's appointment when you want one, so I don't think the infrastructure already exists. Existing public services thrive. We can't even fix them now, so densification is just going to make it even worse. Um, <laughs> we're talking about something here when it's right for the community our levelling up and regeneration bill will eliminate the hope value that landowners and property speculators try to extract from any sale so I believe the hope value they're talking about is when you're trying to sell your land for what it would be worth with planning or yep. with the building already built so the only thing they're putting there is we're going to add a tax to land and when it's right for the community how is that right for the community because again pricing people out Consulting on new and expanded permitted development, right? So again, there are some positives to this, especially yeah. when it comes to the likes of commercial conversion. Obviously, there's been some changes recently, the ability to change more buildings under that commit permitted development, right? So they're going to say the permitted development rights are coming in, so they're going to make it easier to develop in areas. But if you add a hate value, we're going to tax you on it. Yeah. Nice. That's true. Further steps by opening up our new cladding safety scheme. Well, okay. <laughs> my point on this one is they can change the legislation all of they all they like, but they can't force the lenders to lend. And if lenders don't want to lend on these buildings, which they don't, then the homeowner still has the massive problem. Or the investor who's bought in that hope. Yeah. So we, I read a, an article recently about an investor who's stuck on a two-year bridge. They've been two years, 24 months into a bridge on the hope that they get lending based on the card and safety scheme. And they're still stuck, you know, so we're, we're, we're punishing people continually. Yeah. Oh, there is so much inside of this, honestly. I Ooh, don't even know where to like start. like this one. The mayor's <laughs> failure on housing. So the mayor's responsible for housing, is he? And crime. Like his failure on crime and his failure on transport. Tra Take some ownership. Undermines the vitality and attractiveness of our capital. Okay. So, so the London mayor is the blame for everything. <laughs> wow. Fair enough. Oh. Honestly, like there is so much inside of this, Absolutely. Absolutely so much inside of this, because while London is the most attractive capital for a new investment, is it? No one's investing in London. Look, we're not even halfway through this no. as yet. 
we could sit and rip this apart. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Have you read into these things? Have you looked at the new schemes coming in? Are you aware of the new cladding safety scheme? Are you aware of the social housing regulations and the changes that have happened in just the last couple of weeks? Yeah. There's loads of other things as well. Are you aware of the reform anti-money laundering or the renters reform bill? Have you read all of this information? So I suppose the, the kind of key here is you can't take anything at face value. You've got to take it all with a pinch of salt. You do need to make sure that you are reading and understanding what's happening and make sure that you are aware of the legislations and how they will affect you to identify the problems that you're going to face, but also the opportunities that do come as a result of it. You know, in general, we're looking at this from a negative perspective, but we've got to find solutions to those problems. So uh, get knowing and understanding all of those new reforms, start reading up on them and make sure that you're getting educated in the right areas because it's absolutely vital when it comes to being an investor. Yeah, education, network and mindset. Absolutely. And if you would like any further information, if you want us to go through the second half of this report with you, then comment below, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell and we will be back again soon. Yeah, we'll happily go through it, but only if you want us to.